Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray the sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. All right. <clears throat> so the Apostle Peter finds himself in real trouble. He's been preaching the gospel and he ends up in prison. He's in a bad way. He's sleeping one night there in prison and the scripture says that an angel shows up and smacks him on the side. I love this. Smacks him on the side and said, Peter, get up and put your sandals on. We got to get you out of here. How many of you know our God is a God of rescue? Yeah. And so Peter wakes up and the scripture says in Acts chapter 12 that he thinks that he's dreaming And he kind of gets past the first guard and the second guard and and then the angel gets him out there on the street and kind of pushes him in a certain direction. And then it says that Peter came to himself. Like, you know, he kind of woke up from the slumber of sleep and realized like, I'm being set free here. I'm being rescued and delivered. Acts chapter 12, verse 11 and 12 then says these words. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when, listen now, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Peter gets rescued, and when he considered it, when he thought about, what was it that was going on? How did this happen? What what contributed to my freedom? When he had considered this, he said, I know where I need to go. I need to go to Mary's house, because that's where my peeps are, and I guarantee I'm gonna find them praying for my miraculous release. When he considered it. Friends, here's my question for you today. As we're talking about wanting more and, and getting more, because surely there is more than just going to church and being a regular old American Christian. There's more than that in the kingdom of God. And so while he considered it, He knew what was up. He knew who his people were. He knew where he needed to go and he knew what they were doing. And so my question for all of us is this, do you know who your people are? Who's your small group? Who are your people that you really do life with because as wonderful as Sunday morning gatherings and stuff are, like this is not the major achievement and goal of Christianity is to get people to fill the pews or the the seats or the bleachers on Sunday morning. This is something that just needs to enhance and support and solidify that which is happening throughout the week. As we gather together, as we build relationships with one another, as we get in homes and small groups, as we meet in restaurants, wherever it is, 
What we're doing outside of Sunday morning is radically important. If you want more, you've got to do more. You don't get more without doing more. Over the years, over 30 years of pastoring, can't tell you how many people I've looked at and they just said, Pastor, I just feel disconnected. And, and I always know the answer to this. It's really, see, now that I'm not pastoring, it's, I get to kind of tell you stuff. <clears throat> I feel disconnected and I go, oh, this is, this is gonna be fun, Steve. This is gonna be great. And so I go, okay, so you feel disconnected? Why, why do you feel disconnected? So like, what ministry are you serving in? Well, I'm not serving any ministry. Oh, okay, well, um, what outreaches are you involved? Well, I'm not really doing any outreach or anything. Well, well, what small group are you a part of? Well, I'm not really part of a small group. And then I get to give them this light bulb moment. The reason you're disconnected is because you are. Oh, the audacity of a pastor telling me that I'm disconnected because I'm disconnected. You mean the audacity of a pastor telling you the truth and caring enough about your soul to say, hey, there's one way to get connected and that's to be connected, period. You gotta get connected if you want more. And so home groups, life groups, small groups, whatever it is we wanna call them, we just, they just need to be happening. And they, they need to be attended and participated in. Peter knew where to go, knew who his people were, knew what they would be doing. He knew that they were practicing and performing the one another's of Christian life and living. Biblically speaking, as the body of Christ, we're a part of one another. Biblically speaking, we're a part of one another. Therefore, we're commanded, not suggested, commanded to perform the one another's, I'm gonna help you with that, the one another's of scripture. Now, practically speaking, apart from biblically speaking, I, I, I just wish I could say this to you in a way, I trust that the Lord has to do this. I wish I could say this to you in a way that would just cause you to get this. Biblically speaking, we're a part of one another. But practically speaking, in the days that we're heading into, yes, even in the United States of America, you better know who your people are. I, I promise you, you better know who your people are. You better know where to go. You better know what they're doing and what they're participating in in terms of praying and believing and protecting and providing and caring and loving and serving, all of that. I'm afraid there's gonna be a group of people like the five foolish virgins that aren't paying attention to what's going on and at the last minute, they're gonna scramble and try to find out, you know, where, where, where is the body? Where, are, where is the family of God? And they're gonna miss it because they haven't been connected, they haven't been showing into real godly one another relationship, they miss out. Biblically speaking, we're part of one another. Practically speaking, all the more reason we need to be building strong relationships. So this morning, <clears throat> I've got a 21-point sermon for you. <laughs> we'll be done by breakfast tomorrow. 
you're used to fasting, it just, we're adding another day to it. So here's what I'm going to do to make this palatable over the next, you know, 30 hours or so. I'm going to give you seven words that start with the letter H. And what these seven words are, they're going to help us categorize and summarize the one another's of Christian life and living so that as we talk about wanting more and as we talk about getting involved in small groups, we can, we can have at least a framework, a footprint, a foundation of the things that we need to be giving ourselves to if we're going to experience more, if we're going to become stronger in Christ. Now, some of these, you're going to maybe see some crossover. I get it. I'm just trying to simplify 21 different concepts from the New Testament and, and squeeze them down, Okay. So here's our first H word. Are you ready for this? Take all you note takers. Can we make these notes available to people afterwards as well? Okay. So the first H word is the word holistic. Holistic. Holistic means the interdependence of all of the parts. The body of Christ is a holistic body, a holistic organization, if you will, or organism would be a better way to say it. Though we're many parts, we are to be interdependent upon one another. Romans 12, 15 says it like this. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, look at this, and individually members of one another. So corporately, collectively, we're the body of Christ. We get that. That's awesome. I'm part of the body of Christ. But it's more than that. It's more than that. Individually, right? We just don't look at the hundreds that are here this morning. We go individually. I'm part of you and you're part of me. Spiritually, biblically speaking, this is a holistic organism where we are part of one another. Now, what does that mean? That means if I'm not performing my part in the body of Christ, if I'm not performing my part, what does that do to the rest of the body? Not a trick question, makes it weaker, right? And so if the whole body of Christ isn't giving themselves to one another the way that the scripture tells us to, it means the body of Christ is going to be weakened. And what we're trying to do is build up the body of Christ and make the body of Christ stronger, which is going to require us understanding, like, Jerry, you need me. And you know what? I need. I need you. We need each other. If we could get a handle on that, it would change our lives right there. That's why it's the first point. We have to understand it. It's not, it's not just some kind of hallmark saying, oh, I need you and you need me. Oh, isn't that nice? And then we go our way. No, like I need you. I need you to do your part. You need me to do my part. And we will, in our inter interdependence on one another, then we will cause each other to be strengthened and we will see the whole body of Christ strengthened. If you're just sitting on the sidelines, showing up on Sunday once or twice, three times a month, yeah, I mean, we're happy to see you, but 
we need to tell you there's way, 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 way more to following Jesus than just that. I know it's a miracle that some of us are even here once a month, but like we need some more miracles. (laughs) Second H word is the word heart. Heart. And when I'm talking about heart, I'm talking about love and compassion. Of all of the one another's in the New Testament, does it surprise anybody? Ben, does it surprise you? The number one thing that Jesus said more than anything else is what? Love one another. Love one another. 18 different, 18 different times. Love one another. Can I tell you what love isn't? Like this doesn't qualify for love. The, the I mean, I, I'm gonna hug you, but the dude hug with the three pats on the back, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, love you, bro. That doesn't count for love. Saying that we love each other and then treating each other poorly doesn't qualify for love. One of the most astounding things, I've probably shared this but with you just in passing, but I, I find it amazing. Jesus said the defining characteristic of people who follow him will be what? Their love for one another. And yet in the whole book of Acts, which is the first 30 years of the entire church, Jim, the entire book of Acts, the word love isn't used a single time. I thought it's supposed to be the defining characteristic of the church. Well, maybe the defining characteristic of love isn't just the bro hug with three pats on the back or cheap talk. Maybe it is the sacrificing of ourselves for the furthering of the gospel. See, I think love is in every chapter in the book of Acts. It's not just cheap talk, it's real action. Yeah. So Jesus said, love one another. And make sure it's just not cheap talk. Actually, love people. It means you, you, you don't say things, you know, publicly that, that cause a narrative to make you look good. And then over here, do things privately that damage people. That's not love. Compassion, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, says that we need to, in our love, be compassionate for one another. When the scripture talks about Jesus being filled with compassion for one another, it, it literally means that he's doubled over in pain in his guts. He hurts, he feels for people because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the sick, he was moved with compassion because he saw them in their brokenness. See, I I like taking the word compassion and calling it compaction because it is compassion with action. It's not just going, oh my gosh, this poor family in Africa, oh, isn't that horrible? Oh my gosh, my heart, my heart breaks for them. (laughs) 
and then watch them get their head cut off and pacify ourselves because we felt bad about it. No, compassion looks at brokenness and says, in the name of Jesus, even if it risks my own life, you can count on me. That's that's what love and compassion is. And more than any other of the one another's in all of the New Testament, Jesus said, love one another. Not just in words, but in deeds. Love one another. Our third H is the word humility. Because there's verses in the New Testament that we're called to do and to be for one another if we're going to get this thing right. It's going to require humility. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Or excuse me, excuse me, we're going to start with Romans chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, verse seven. Romans 5, 7 says this, receive one another. Receive one another just like Christ received you. You know what? It takes humility to do that, doesn't it? Because how did Jesus receive me? He received me when I was a wreck and was unreceivable. And yet he received me. And so he says, receive one another just the same way that Christ received you. So that's going to take humility on our parts to not go, well, I can't believe that, and blow people off. No, I'm going to receive people the same way that Jesus received me. And it's going to take humility on the receiver because you've got to be able to walk into a relationship, into a place and say, here's who I am, here's where I'm at right now. And then people go, hey man, we're going to receive you just as you are. Going to receive you just like Christ received us. I'm not going to look at you and go, how could you? How dare you? I can't believe you. I'm going to look at you and go, dude, I remember exactly what it was like. I may not have shared in the same sins as you, but I remember being as lost and broken and spiritually dead and rebellious as you, and Jesus touched my life. That's humility, and it goes both ways. John 13, 14. Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and he said, I've washed your feet. Now you wash one another's feet. (laughs) You ever washed anybody's feet? Huh? You young people go, what? The only people I see nod their head are people with hair the color of mine. (laughs) You know why? Because the church used to do that. Wash one another's feet. It's a humbling thing to take off your shoes and your socks with all your little fur balls in there, (laughs) all your toe jam and all the funk that goes on in there, cover up with your happy socks, and go, here I am. It takes humility to get down in front of that person and take your hands and take a bowl of water, and wash somebody's feet. Jesus wasn't just like using that symbolically. Hey, I've washed your feet, now you wash one another's feet. Oh, he just means that we need to just, you know, be humble toward each other. No, what he means when he said wash your feet in the Greek is wash each other's feet. Receive one another. 
Wash one another's feet. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another. Get a load of this one. In honor, giving preference to one another. Honoring people, esteeming others better than yourself. Honoring people, giving preference to one another. This is the antithesis of the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age is look at me, I'm somebody, I'm building my platform, here's how many friends and likes and views and blah, 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 I've got. And Jesus said, get on your knees, receive someone like I receive you, wash their feet and honor people as being better than yourself and give preference to one another. Let me just say quickly, those three things would heal most people's marriage today. Ephesians 5.21 and 1 Peter 5.5. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another, what does that mean? It means voluntarily giving in to one another in attitude and in action. Submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husband. Oh, I knew he was going to bring that up. You know what it says before that? This. Submit to one another in the fear of God. It's equally voluntarily giving. Well, okay, well, I'm going to give in to you. Can't even do that. It's not just the action, Jeff. It's the attitude that has to follow it. It's voluntarily giving in with the right action and the right attitude, both. Submit to one another. All those things that I just mentioned. Receive, wash, be kind, honor, and submit. Takes humility. Our next H word. Y'all still paying attention? I picked the word health. Health. These things make you spiritually healthy. Now, all these things make you spiritually healthy, but this is for spiritual health. Ephesians 4.2, bear with one another in love. Oh, really? If I do 20 out of 21, does that count? I got to bear with one another. It means as soon as someone is a jerk or a jerkette, you don't just get all up in their grill and get after them. It means you don't write people off. It means you bear with one another. While this person is going through what they're going through and trying to find their way and stubbing their toe and, yeah, bear with one another and do it with love. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and forgive one another. You want more? Here's more. Be kind and forgive one another. That means when someone does you bad wrong and they come and say, man, I blew it. I am sorry. Please forgive me. You run. You run to forgive them. So forgiveness is. People don't repent. What do you have to do in your own heart? You have to, from your own heart, be forgiving, not for their benefit, for your own. Forgiveness, in, in that sense, keeps you out of prison. 
It might not lead to the reconciling of the relationship, but it keeps your heart from getting bitter and hardened. Be kind, forgive one another. First Thessalonians 5.11, edify one another, build one another up. See, all of these things that we've talked about and are gonna talk about in the next few minutes, every single one of these things doesn't happen in its fullest context by showing up on Sunday morning. All of these things happen in small groups because how are you gonna bear with one another if someone wasn't a jerk in small group? How are you gonna learn to bear with one another if that bro, dude, that dude dominates like every week? She just needs to shut up every once in a while. There's 20 of us in the room and like, see, how do I learn to bear with one another? By being with one another. You can't do the one another's without being involved with one another. Edify one another, build one another up. What does that look like? It means me pouring into your life and you pouring into my life because I wanna build you up and strengthen you in a world that wants to tear down continually. I said for a long time, I think American Idol was just one of the worst bits of hell that was ever unleashed on the American public. Yeah, this, this, America's just gone to hell since American Idol came into the picture. Because here's what it convinced us. Everyone has a vote and an opinion on everything. Just call in. Now you can call in as many times as you, good, because I wanna call in so many times. This is who I like and this is who I hate. Here's the winner, <clears throat> here's the loser. Can I just give you some really good advice right now? Your opinion doesn't matter about everything. Yeah, sometimes just shut up. But that would require humility. I know you don't like this message, but it's good for you. <laughs> James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. Can I just tell you, you better know who your people are before you go confessing your sins to them. Because in a world filled with betrayal, your sins can find themselves on the front page of Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But you better find some people. There's still never a guarantee. But you better find somebody that you can say, Bill, Billy, hey, here's what's eating my lunch right now. I hate it. I don't have victory over it yet. But would you pray for me? See, I think some of us would be healed immediately if we would just learn to confess our sins to someone and have that person pray for us. But we're not even involved with one another enough to trust anybody enough, to ask for that enough, to receive that kind of healing. And yet the scripture says to do it. Well, that sounds Catholic to me. No, it sounds like James 5.16 to me. 
just the Catholics got it more right than most of us evangelicals do. Now you're really going to walk out on me. First Thessalonians 4.18, comfort one another. How am I going to be able to comfort you if I'm not involved with you? How am I going to be able to comfort you if I don't know that you're going through a tough time? Comfort one another. The God of all comfort. Then Paul says, the God of all comforts comforted us. Now you comfort one another with the same comfort that you've received. I've got to ask, has anybody in the room received comfort from God? Share it. Share it. Give it away. Find someone who's broken and burned out and beat up. Comfort him. Sometimes people just need to know that somebody else cares. Comfort somebody. All these things produce health. Next, help. Help. All these things are, again, interwoven. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. That takes humility, right? Serve one another. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. God, if that isn't powerful. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. Very first home group I was a part of nearly 40 years ago. We got a hold of all of this stuff and really just started working on it. And I remember this, the, the, one of the things that we learned right away to bear one another's burdens. Precious Shelly White came to group and she said, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. This is a way long time ago. And we just thought, hey, you know, this is kind of the spirit we're operating in, in our, in our home group here. Why don't we each take a day and fast for a month? And so every day, 24-7, someone is fasting for Shelley's healing, bearing her burden, fulfilling the law of Christ, doing the stuff that Jesus called us to do. She was healed of breast cancer. It never came back, and she's alive today nearly 40 years later, bearing one another's burdens. First Peter 4.10, minister to one another. In context, it means using the gifts that God has given you for other people's benefit. What's your gift? Well, I can't get up and speak in front of people. Great, nobody's asking you to. In fact, we're kind of asking you not to. I don't know, I just like, you know, cooking meals for people and helping them want, great, do that, man, do that. See, I don't need someone to preach to me if my belly's empty. I need someone to cook me a meal. Your gift is valuable, do it. Minister to it, one for another. It helps. Hebrews 10, 24. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. means I gotta think about you, Rob. It means I think about you, I hear something about you, I think about you, and I'm going, okay, now, how is that going to stir something up in me to do a good work for you? Got a phone call the other day from a longtime dear friend of ours. Serious cancer diagnosis came on him like that. Right away, what do you have to start doing? Of course, you got to bear burdens and all that, and you got to comfort, and you've got to think, hey, man, if, if I was him, what would I want? That's what allows us to stir up love and good works. 
I'd want somebody calling me, telling me they're praying for me, that they love me. They're going to see after my family and meals are going to be provided and things are going to happen. See, if we, would, if we would allow ourselves to start doing that for each other, boy, I got to hurry. <clears throat> we would be a part of something that is more, that is more. Oh, the church has that covered. We are the church. Be the church. Don't just go to church. 1 Peter 4, 9. Be hospitable to one another. <laughs> I love it. Open a can of soup. You don't have to be a chef. Invite someone over and, and give of yourself and of your heart a meal and a safe space where you can serve them and be a blessing in their life. Be hospitable to one another. Well, I don't know that I have the gift of hospitality. Well, great. It doesn't prevent you from being hospitable. Some people have that gift. They love opening their home. They love cooking, providing, taking care of people. That's wonderful. But if you don't have the gift, it doesn't mean you can't obey the command. Open your house up. Be hospitable. My next to last one is the word heat. I saved this for the end because I wanted to see how many people were still in the room. <laughs> Hebrews 3.13 and Hebrews 10.25. Exhort one another. Bring the heat. Exhort one another all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Fire one another up. Come on. <clears throat> we can do this. We must do this. Come on. Ex exhort one another. And all the more as you see the return of Christ. Are we closer to Jesus coming back than we were yesterday? Yeah, well, then we better start firing one another up and bringing the heat instead of sitting around doing nothing or next to nothing. Bring the heat. Romans 15, 14, admonish one another. It means warn. It means there's a time where you got to look at a brother or sister and say, I've, I have bared with you long enough. I don't know what the time frame is for everybody, but there's a time to look a brother or sister in the face in love and say, I'm telling you right now, you are in sin and this is gonna kill you and it is out of love and concern and compassion for you. I am warning you in the name of Jesus. Yeah. You gotta bring the heat sometimes. My last H is the word hope. Thank God. Ephesians 5.19 Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Every single time I get involved with people who are worshiping, Faith shared it earlier today, when worship begins to happen and we begin to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, I look at the glory of God on people's faces while they're worshiping and smiling and singing truth about our good and gracious and generous God, our merciful, powerful God. As we worship God, what happens? Hope fills my heart. Hope. 
And so friends, here's the deal. When we do all of these things together, if we can fulfill these 21 one another's in small group capacity, we'll have more. And that's the goal. That's the goal. Don't settle for where you're at. Get more. Pastor Ian's going to come tell us how to do it. So, beloved, that is a buffet line of gold that we have before us, and, and that essentially is going to be the bedrock of more for us. Uh, Pastor Randy is, is on, uh, on cue. He's ready and prepared, and we went, hey, how do we, what do we, what's our call to action for more in this church over this next couple months? And we thought it might be a little overwhelming to send people directly to him in the lobby. If you want to talk to him, he's out there for sure. But we want you to text um, OCH more to 55498. And I'm not saying like think about it, pray about it. We've prayed about it. You need to text because there has to be more. And it's an expectation of this church that if that we're not just gonna gather and do this, but we're gonna gather house to house as we'll talk about in weeks to come because more is necessary. And in the days we're in, we've gotta have more. Amen, somebody? So text OCH uh, more to 55498 and, and let's believe God to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine as this church follows in the way of Jesus and, and steps into everything we're called to do. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this time. I thank you for, for Pastor Steve and these words and the wisdom that has just built a foundation for more in this house. I pray, God, that we would walk out of this place today, not just be he being hearers of the word, but doers also. That we would take the notes, that we would read the blog, we would engage in this word, and we would take it not just to, to understanding, but to action, and we would, we would start living a more kind of life. We trust you, God, and we invite you to bring that, that heat in our own heart to show us where to go, what to do, and how to take a next step forward in more living here at One Church Home. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you, and we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.